A Hundred Stories is a new video and podcast series that's intended to provide a platform for people of colour to share their experiences of prejudice and journeys to success. So my name is Ade um, and I'm working with Sussex, the Sussex Innovation Centre. Um, and yeah, I was very intrigued to get involved in the Hundred Stories podcast. And I thought uh, Kyla would be a great guest for this podcast. So, yeah, if, if you don't mind, could you introduce yourself, your occupation and what organisations or uh, companies you're working with? Sure. So um, my name is Kyla and I'm currently in my third year of university at Sussex studying international business with French. And um, it has been a really amazing experience here. So I can't believe I'm about to leave. I'm definitely going to miss it. But um, along the way, I've had so many incredible opportunities to meet new people and to um, join different societies and really push myself out of my comfort zone. Um, Along these four years, I've become involved in Enactus, which is a social entrepreneurial society. And basically what we do is we look at issues within our community and um, internationally, and we try to uh, formulate projects around them to help solve the issues. So for example, um, in Brighton, homelessness is a serious, serious issue that um, affects our whole community. So we have one project going right now where we're looking at the homeless, we're looking at our beneficiaries, and we're really trying to figure out what they need, how we can make their lives better, and how we can effectively make the community better. So um, within doing that, it's it's interesting because there's so many, it's, homelessness is like an umbrella. So the same way mental health is an umbrella where there's so many different things that um, kind of add to the process of getting to that stage. It's the same thing with homelessness. So with our projects, they have to be incredibly um, specific where we really have to focus in on our beneficiaries need to help them and to try to prevent things like this happening in the future. Um, in addition to that, I'm also very active within Sussex um, as a university. So um, I was an RA, which is a residential advisor for two years, um, which you're basically giving support to new students and existing students if they still need it. Um, a WP ambassador where you um, get to take children um, from different schools around the university and you really get to introduce them into the possibilities of becoming a university student and um, introduce them into the courses and things that you're studying and your experiences and really trying to make sure that they understand the fact that it is possible no matter where they come from anything is possible and they can get to where they need to be with um, hard work and determination. Um, in addition to that I'm also a campus ambassador which is a little bit similar to WP um, we just help the campus and make sure everything's running well. Um, I have a radio show with my partner um, who is also went to Sussex and um, it's called Relax and Bake FM which is it's probably one of my favorite things that I've ever done at university. It definitely pushed me out of my um, comfort zone through interviews and hosting um, music events and things like that. It's been really really incredible so I'm involved in quite a couple of things, a couple of apps as well. So I think I've definitely um, dipped my toe into a couple of places. So being at Sussex has really helped me do that. Wow, very interesting. More than a couple, must I? Yeah. <laughs> and 
<laughs> yeah, yeah a couple of things. But yeah, no, I really appreciate you um, speaking with me today for the for the for the podcast um, and this series because I think your perspective will be very different and very insightful to a lot of people, seeing as obviously um, you're not from the UK um, and you would have a very different outlook to the um, to race and how 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 that has affected the world because you're you're coming from a different country. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my, my questions are kind of based on on the feedback form that I sent you. Um, so yeah, they're, they're pretty uh, standard. But first of all, I'd, I'd like to know when was your first encounter with uh, racism or uh, racial inequality? Um, so originally I'm from Bermuda, which is a tiny, tiny little island. Um, I moved over here to England when I was 17 for boarding school. Um, and for me personally, that was probably the perfect age that I could have done it because um, I know a lot of parents and especially at my boarding school a lot of parents as well they sent their kids over when they were like nine ten years old um, coming into either lower school or going into um, middle school and I think for me personally sending your kids off that early um, isn't really the best idea because you know you're missing some really really crucial parts of their lives and their development so for me being sent off at 17 was incredible because it wasn't only um, a part of my life where I had had to deal with certain things on my own but um, I had to grow into myself but it was also a part of my life where I was also easily molded so it was the perfect combination of me knowing who I was as a person and then also developing even further into the person that I am now and hopefully the person that I'm becoming as well um, and saying that the move over was very 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 different um, there's a lot of cultural differences as well. And when I was at home, I went to um, a private school called BHS and it was a pro predominantly white school. Um, and my kind of first experience, not necessarily of racism, but more of ignorance was um, when I had a friend from Germany and she there's a lot there's quite a couple um expats in Bermuda so I had this friend from Germany and my school was really diverse with a lot of expats and then a lot of white Bermudians and not so many black Bermudians so um me and her became really really good friends and I remember we went on a play date and um on the way home she had said to her dad she was like oh and the Negroes blah 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 and I was, I had to be, I don't know, maybe about 10. I'd probably give myself 10, I'd say, or 12. So somewhere around that young age. And um, I think when it's your first experience, you really, really don't know how to take it. So especially because of the fact that she um, was foreign as well. I know that she didn't mean any harm, which is why I say um, not necessarily my first experience of racism, but more of ignorance. Um, I didn't know how to take it. So she said this thing and then I went upstairs when they dropped me off and 
I could also feel kind of like the awkwardness in the car because her dad tried to um, move away from what she just said a little bit. So obviously he knew that that made me feel awkward and he knew that that was probably not the right thing to come out of her mouth. But um, I went up to my mom and my grandma and I was like, um, I was just with my friend and she said Negro and I don't know how to take that. I don't know if I should be offended because obviously it's not the other n word so it's not as um as offensive although it still is but it's not as offensive um so do I take it in a negative way or do I just kind of be a little bit calm about it I was very conflicted in my emotions and my grandma said to me um she sat me down and she said listen there's going to be situations where um you're around people who are not understanding or um don't take the time to understand where you come from and you're going to be in uncomfortable situations because you are black and that's your color that's who you are but you know there's ways that you can move around it and the fact that you've had this experience now is good because you're going to be stronger in the future and you're going to know how to deal with it in the future so from a very young age my mom and my grandma had a conversation with us um, and she broke down where the word comes from and she broke down the other word as well in terms of where it comes from and what is actual meaning is. And she said that word is um, not for us. It's, it's a word that just means dirty and um, white people associated it with us. And that's where it's come from. But the word can be used for anyone. It's just that it's more associated with us. So having that broken down um, was really, really important to me. And I think, um, that in my first experience was very eye-opening because obviously there was many experiences to come after that, especially in my school where, um, as I said, it was predominantly white and the the education system was definitely more tailored to um, American history, not even like literally not even Bermudian history, but American history and history that had nothing to do with us. So um, that was probably my first experience that I could remember. Wow, 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 wow. That's, that's really interesting that you had your grandmother there to kind of explain that to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's very important to have that, um, that person, you know, from an older generation to kind of explain these things to you, especially from a young age, because uh, I know I've, ex I've experienced some similar things and you don't really know how to handle it until you're educated about why some people might feel a certain way towards you or might say certain things towards you. Um, and yeah, having that education from someone that, that loves you and has probably been through it um, for a longer time is, is very important. So um, yeah, props to your yeah, grandma. Absolutely, and I think um, that story as well, um, I was in other situations where I hadn't gone and told my mom and my grandmother afterwards and I wish that I did because when your children when one when you know that your children are going to have to go through that it's very important to sit down and have that conversation from early because there's certain things that you're not going to learn in school and um, financial literacy is one of them actually um, I'm not sure why we don't teach that earlier but um I think that there's certain things that your children just aren't going to learn in, in school. There's, it's life lessons. And depending on where you come from, those life lessons may 
have a bit more gravitas than other lessons. So um, I think it, it's a lesson in itself to sit your children down, explain to them the issues that they're probably going to face in the future and just try to break it down. So whether they um, come into a situation like that or not, they're prepared for it and know how to deal with it better. Because I think that's the other issue um, with Black children is when we're faced with a situation like that, it's extremely uncomfortable. And especially if we haven't gotten that um, that kind of teaching beforehand, we have no idea how to deal with it. So I didn't know how to say how to say or reply to that. I just felt like I was overthinking it as well. So um, having sitting your kids down and just having that conversation with them beforehand is incredibly important. Definitely. Um, Alice, I'm picking up on something that you mentioned earlier where you mentioned, um, I think you used the word ignorance instead of racist. Um, and that was kind of interesting to me because there is actually a difference between the two. Um, and obviously it's, it's education for ignorance and then for racism um, is, is something that I don't think anybody can understand. Um, but how would you say, how would you say your experience has been um, dealing with these two and distinguishing between those two as it compares from Bermuda to the UK? Um, I think distinguishing between the two is incredibly important because um, when you're able to tell between the two, you're able to um, decide on how you should respond. And as you said, there's a huge difference between ignorance and racism. Ignorance comes from a place of not understanding. And I think racism is more not understanding and then not even bothering to understand. So it goes much, much deeper. Um, and then I think it goes deeper into your your personality, the way that you've been raised and further things like that. So it's very, very different. And um, for me, I think that was a form of ignorance that I had experienced. And um, when I came to England, there was more, um, more ignorance. So I, like I said, I went to a private school, which was predominantly white um, in Bermuda. And then I came to boarding school, which was again, predominantly white. So um, for me, my, the borders and the, the borders and the day girls were very, very different. Um, there was a bit of a divide between them because obviously you don't get that chance to, you know, chill with them after school. You can't really go out on the weekends as easily. So there was a difference there. And um, my friends were all Nigerian. So the school was pretty diverse. It was, it was definitely a mix of people, but my friends were Nigerian. So um, we had this one friend who was um, from England and she was such a sweetheart and she had been friends with um, a couple of my friends for like years and years. And then I came in in the last two years. So over those last two years, she really um, kind of indulged in the culture and she she took opportunities to learn about the music and learn about the dancing and the food and that was genuine interest where she like from her heart she appreciated it and she wanted to learn more about it and she was actually interested in it so um over the last two years she became a lot more not necessarily a lot more like us but 
obviously just kind of gravitated more towards us, towards our culture and wanting to be a part of it. So um, at the end of the year, we went to someone's house and we had a big end of year party and um, it was really, really lovely. And we were all sitting together and one of the girls said to her, um, she goes, so when did you start hanging out with those people? And that's ignorance because it's like, what do you mean those people? And she didn't know what she said. And um, myself and my friend look at each other. And obviously she understands because, you know, she's she's hung around us and she kind of, um, her mind is very more, uh, is much more open to experiences like that. So she understood from the jump when we looked at each other, we were like, what does she mean those people? And it's very difficult when you're in a situation like that. Cause again, you don't know how to respond. if if you haven't either had enough practice or if you are kind of just nervous and you don't want to ruin the moment a little bit. So um, I think the ignorance that I've experienced in both countries is quite similar in the fact that it's completely unintentional, but um, I think it stems from a long line of parents not actually teaching their children because if her parents were probably more open and more... um, exposed her to more culture and more diversity and just different backgrounds in general she wouldn't know what it means to say those people and to single out a whole section of humans so um I think ignorance comes from the same place racism is comes from I don't want to say I don't want to say a place of hate but it definitely is a is much much more deeper than ignorance because with ignorance you can identify what you've said you can identify what is wrong and then you can choose to do something about it and you can choose to learn with racism it's it's so ingrained it's like you know it's like talking to a brick wall yeah yeah I totally agree um what would be your way of handling it now um, given that you've gone through these experiences um, the reason why I'm asking this question is because I'm sure there'll be a lot of people listening um, that may encounter, unfortunately, that may encounter a similar experience or that have encountered a, a, a similar experience and they haven't gone through the proper way to handle it. And obviously it, it is kind of uh, difficult to respond to such comments or um, respond to, to such actions, but how would you go about handling it? Um, I think now I've definitely um, had time to think about it um, as well as talk to other people about it. So uh, for the radio show, Relax and Bake FM, we hosted um, a Black Lives Matter talk surrounded around everything that's happened in the past um, couple of months. And then of course, on the general scheme of things of racism, inequality, police brutality, um, systematic racism, all of those things in general that are pre-existing. So um, I had an amazing conversation with three incredible women, um, one who had just graduated and her family extremely um, connected in politics and in Black politics in particular, welcoming um, Martin Luther King, um, Rosa Parks, just incredible people like that. Um, another wonderful woman um, called Adrian, who 
is uh, owner of the Literacy Peak Project, where they um, specifically have a book club for um, minority authors. And then um, a wonderful, wonderful girl from the um, University of Manchester's Feminist Collective, um, who leads the society, and she was incredible. So I had two Black women on and one white woman. And for me, it was very, very important to have multiple perspectives because um, I remember my I, I told my friend about it and she said, I don't understand why you're having a white woman on. And I said, well, this is society. It's not, it doesn't affect just us. It affects a whole other race because that whole other race is doing it to us. So the only way that we can come together with people um, from the other race who really care about us and um, and wants to help us make change is if we have a partnership and if we're working together. So having a whole other perspective on was really important for me because I felt like the viewers who were white would be able to better identify with her. So even though um, they will take into account what we're saying and they'll uh, hopefully change some of their ways if they have any um, negative ways in general, it's even more important because you're looking at someone who looks like you and whether we like to say it out loud or not, that makes a huge difference being able to identify with someone. So um, doing that was really, really important. And within that, I was able to share some of my stories and get their advice on it in terms of how um, they would deal with it. So we did a couple of role play um, scenarios, which were true stories. We had some of my stories and then some stories that other people had um, given into the show as well. And I told that story and I, I asked um, Adrian from Literacy Peak, so how would I actually deal with that? Because in the situation, I didn't know what to say and none of us knew what to say. So um, she said, you know what, next time, you know, ask a question back. So they've asked you a question. They asked um, her in that situation, when did you start hanging out with those people? And if I were to experience that again, I would break down the question and I would ask her, what do you mean by those people? So not only are you um, kind of signaling out the, those two words, those people, but you're asking her to think about what she's just said. And if she doesn't know what she just said, you know, it really kind of gets them to think and it kind of gets them to think about, okay, what actually do I mean by those people? That was a strange choice of wording. Why did I say that? So um, kind of taking a question like that and then returning it with not an answer, but an actual question that really starts to get their brains flowing about what do they mean? Where did that come from? And um, I think that changes ignorance a little bit it changes ignorance a huge amount because with ignorance you say something that you don't understand the meaning to so when you're then presented with a question contradicting it then you are taking in that understanding and you have an opportunity to really reflect on what you just said and figure it out for yourself um how did how did the because you just mentioned the episode um that you did on your radio show, um, speaking about, no, during the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so how, how did that kind of affect you? Um, how did that resonate with you? Um, I think that shook the world, really. Um, it, was, it was during 
May, which was a couple of months into um, COVID lockdown, which lasted much longer than we all expected. Um, I think there was a lot more emphasis in general on so social media. So not even in relation to Black Lives Matter, but before that, there was just a lot more emphasis on social media. And um, there was a lot of pivoting of uh, direction and processes. So with my show, we had to figure out, okay, how are we gonna keep this going? Cause we can't get into, we can't get into the station, but it's something that we really care about. So how are we gonna make sure that it's lasting? So we had to pivot the show to be more um, focused on social media, which is something that was interesting for me because um, I like social media, but I don't like to be on it all the time. So um, having to do that was was definitely different. But um, in general, there was such a focus on social media because of COVID and because everyone was locked inside. Um, having George Floyd's murder, which is what it was, um, come on show in a time like that, I think it shook the entire world. And um, it was... It was eye-opening because it's not new. Like things like that have happened before and they continue to happen. So it's nothing new. And um, it's been happening for centuries. It's been happening decades and centuries. So um, the only difference is that now we have phones. Now we can video things. We have cameras. We have evidence. That's literally the only difference. So I think seeing it and um, watching it even... Like, I, I I, don't like watching things like that in, in general, whether it be a movie or whether it be real life. So um, I think the whole world watching that at the same time combined with a global pandemic where people are dying and love and you're losing loved ones and, you know, your heart is already hurting. So in general, to see that in addition to the fact that there's a global pandemic and there's a virus in the world, but then also a virus in our society is, I think it resonated with everyone. Um, and for me personally, obviously I, I know what happens and I'm familiar with those types of situations, but seeing it happen and the lack of care and the, the complete disrespect for human life was, mind-boggling I couldn't believe it so um I think yeah I think that was uh not I don't want to say it, it needed to happen but I think it was um necessary to open the eyes of the whole world to say listen this happens it's been happening when are we going to change it when are we going to do something about it because it's enough yeah I, I agree I think in a weird way it kind of it came at a good time, mm. even though that's not the best. That, it's not the way I would yeah. phrase it, but I think the the, the COVID nineteen forced everybody to pay attention. To yeah, stop. it came at a time yeah. where you had no um, choice but to pay attention. Right, right, and also I think that combined with because because of the virus, I do feel that as people, we started to value each other a yeah. lot higher um, and started to actually take take note of things that we weren't uh, paying attention to, having the uncomfortable conversations, um, obviously seeing these videos, doing the, the, the hard stuff. Um, 
I feel I feel like it gave us a lot of time to to do that. Um, and then during that time, a lot of a lot of businesses, a lot of uh, companies, kind of reacted by um, you know putting out messages like Black Lives Matter, you know, posting the mm -hmm. black square. Um, a lot were kind of fleeting for the moment. A lot were um, very reactionary. And then some, obviously, it's been a while since that's happened. So some of the companies that have supported that have continued to support that. Um, but what would, you, what would be your opinion on how, on how businesses kind of reacted to that? Because um, obviously there's, there's a distinction between business and social yeah. issues. But I think for this, there was kind of, um, there, was, there was an anomaly where businesses we're getting involved in this as a, as a social issue because it does mm -hmm. affect business uh, to a large degree. Uh, so I wanted to get your opinion on how businesses kind of reacted to Yeah, um, I think something that concerned me when um, this all happened and in the height of it all and continues to concern me is the fact that it's a trend. And um, doing everything, and this is what we talked on about on the show as well. Um, I the purpose of having that show specifically was about educating and talking about okay, how we how were we going to keep this going? Because this again, it's not new. I've said this a hundred times. It's not new, but how are we going to keep this going? How are we going to keep attention to it? How can we um, make a lasting effect so that this man's life and hundreds of thousands of other victims lives weren't taken for granted so um having that show was really important because we talked about the education of it and what you can do um to further learn about it and to further open up your perspective so it was really it it opened up a lot of conversations um and beyond society going into uh, the corporate world as well i'm sure it definitely opened up some conversations um but i think for companies as i said it's something that shook the world and um we have to realize that a lot of these companies have been around for decades and they're they're very very good at um navigating. some of them some of them have profited from the yeah. problem from yeah, the yeah original problem from slavery 100 you know? i mean wow. when you when you look at america when you there's a um there's a movie on Netflix called The 13th. And when you look at America, the way that America has been set up is, is like evil genius is the only way that you can call it because they've gone <laughs> from slavery to, um, to Jim Crow, which is basically making it legal, segregation, all, all those things. So that's the first thing that they did was that they had it in writing when you have things in writing it makes it a lot easier for you to get away with certain issues which is why we need to we need to further combat this not with violence but with writing and with education because that's the only way that we're going to be able to um kind of turn the page in a sense but uh when you look at america the way that they've done it is is extremely strategic and they've gone with the times in that okay, we realize slavery is wrong. We need to stop doing that. Okay, how are we gonna still profit from this? Jim Crow, 
okay cool so um segregation they're not black people are not allowed to um come into white arenas and we're allowed to say that because it's illegal and then okay that's not all right anymore how are we going to combat this further let's um let's criminalize so so many acts that have nothing to do with a person so let's criminalize weed let's make that illegal um okay great so now so many black people are in jail for petty crimes that are, are not even crimes like marijuana grows from nature it's it's completely natural so it's it's things like that where they've really made a point to to constantly put up barriers that we constantly keep breaking and then there's a new barrier because they've pivoted so um i highly recommend everyone watch that movie because it really it really goes into um the timeline of things and the ways in which um, huge corporate companies have profited off of black people and have um, continuously held us down, but we just keep on rising. So I think there's, I think, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Just to, just to add, to add to that. I think even on a, on a bigger scale, like outside of America, I think it, what that documentary shows you is more, how systemic racism works. Um, and then you can kind of apply that knowledge to the UK when you see, um, you know, how they did the, the grading system for the GCSEs, um, stuff like how, you know, people reacted to the recent Sainsbury's advert. Yeah, yeah. Um, all these things that are kind of embedded in our system, which kind of put people in, almost like a, a cycle of, um, you know, poverty in the cycle of, of not having a better life or having a different experience to other people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important that you brought up the UK as well, because um, obviously America is highly on show, but racism is all over the world. So even with the recent Sainsbury's, I've read a lot of people were posting and saying, look, this is proof that UK is also racist. So it's not just America. And I know in general, we would like to single out America, but it isn't just America. It goes beyond that. And for um, corporate companies, the reason why I was saying that they've gotten so good at navigating issues and, um, and pivoting to meet their own demands is is the same thing that they've done with this situation um a lot of companies they they came out with the black tiles they came out with um their own corporate uh regulations and and um corporate cultures surrounding black people and and minorities in general but it it didn't last for every single company i remember looking at um I think it was Ralph Lauren. I looked at Ralph Lauren and they had posted about the company culture and they had posted the black tile and all these things, but where, where are the continuous posts? Where is the evidence that you've continued to make change, that you continue to care? Where is it? It's not there anymore because even calling it BLM makes me very upset because it's not a movement i think personally a movement is a situation or or a place where you have a group of people who are going through something terrible and they come out of it for the better and they get what they need and what they deserve out of the out of that change 
So movement is when you're in one place and you move somewhere else, you move on to, to better, to bigger and better things. Calling this Black Lives Matter movement isn't right to me because we haven't gotten what we deserve. This has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years and we haven't moved. We are still constantly battling systematic racism, police brutality, inequality, there's so many things that we still have to face, although we, we still keep on rising because that's what we do as a people. We are faced with so many stresses and we make sure that we come out of it on the, on the other hand. But as a whole race, it's not a movement because we haven't gotten what we deserve and we, we haven't gotten um, the benefit of all our hard work yet. So I think um, in general, the, the trend, it was a trend and, um, you can even see now that it, it's definitely died down quite a bit. So there's not, it's not Black Lives Matter all over your newsfeed anymore. It's back to regular Instagram posting. So um, for me and the things that I'm involved in, especially with the radio show, it's really important that we keep that in people's mind and we keep reminding people because this isn't over and it hasn't been over for a very, very long time. How how do you think, just to just to kind of wrap it up, because um, I'm being conscious of time. But how do you think going forward, companies can support such you know movements? I know you don't like that word, but basically, how how do you think companies can improve diversity um, and combat inequality in a genuine way? Um, I think first, first you have to mean it. Um, that's the the genuine part of it. You have to mean it. You have to um, write down things that you're actually going to follow through, through on. And um, consistency is key here. Don't just do it for the trend. Don't just do it because you have hundreds of customers that are on your tail, for lack of a better phrase. But um, don't just do it because there's hundreds of thousands of people riled up and you think it's going to pass. You just have to get through the publicity stunt of it, right? So it's consistency and it's, it's going into those communities and depending on what your, what your company is, um, this is where CSR is very important as well. CSR is corporate social responsibility and often it's very much focused on the environment, which is incredible because that's the only way we're going to be able to survive here as a whole community and society. But um, CSR is generally very much focused on the environment. Um, within that, I think CSR policies within companies should be should also be inclusive of minorities and how are we going to help minorities and black people in particular how are we going to put in quotas and um, make it more equitable so not necessarily equality but making it more um, equitable and making sure that people who are from minorities get the opportunities to become um, leaders and to develop the careers into leading positions so doing training programs and again going into their society depending on what the company is um, if it's something like insurance which is really popular at home going into the society and really talking to people talking to the communities what do they need um, where are they are they lacking and what support can 
a huge, huge multinational company or even a small business, what support what can they actually give? So um, I think for for bigger companies, um, changing their CSR is very important. And as I said, having things written down, um, regulations, laws, that's how we've gotten to where we are today because a lot of it is legal. Um, even when you look in the the police force, the reason why police get away with a lot of things is because um, once they get into the force, it's extremely, extremely difficult to fire a police officer. Um, if a police officer is let go for misconduct, then they can they can come back with an arbitrator and they can um, kind of plead the case. And a lot of the times there's issues that have happened within the system where there's loss of evidence or things like that. So um, that's why I say writing things down, having legislation, having rules and regulations is very, very important. I think that's probably the only way that we're gonna be able to truly combat this and to make a difference. So especially for big companies that probably have uh, quite a bit of influence with the government, making sure that the companies are really focused on CSR and focused on that community benefit and going in and having a relationship with the community is hugely, hugely important. Definitely. Um, no, thank you. Thank you really, really much for, um, for, for being a guest and also just educating not only the listeners, but also me, I feel like I've learned a lot from, from this conversation. Um, and I feel like a lot of other people listening will, will be able to apply um, a lot of your experiences and a lot of you, the stories that you've spoken about um, to their businesses and to, to their life going forward. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. And really the last, just the last thing that I'll say um, is education is hugely, hugely important. Not only education within a company um, through, as I said, trainings and um, kind of ethics and things like that, but education in schooling is important. I, the, the schools that I went to didn't put any highlight on, um, on Black history. And I think that's where I missed out on a lot of lessons and especially my my uh, my counterparts, they missed out on a lot of lessons. So changing education, um, the way that we educate people is is hugely important because we have to realize that we've been educated at the hands of our oppressors. So of course we're learning what they want us to learn and we're not learning what they don't want us to learn. So um, if companies can push education in schooling as, and in their offices, then even better. Definitely. Um... Yeah, so how, how can people reach out to you? How can people follow up with you and, and um, see what you're doing and follow your businesses and support you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, anyone who is interested in the radio station where we highlight um, independent talent, whether it be artists, designers, entrepreneurs, um, really, really try and make sure that there's a spotlight on fresh talent and they get their opportunity to showcase all their skills and really have a platform for people to be able to view them. Um, anyone who is interested in that, whether it be that they're, um, they are talent or no talent or just wanna watch the show, you can um, tune in on Instagram. We post there quite often. It's at relax and bake FM. Um, if you're looking to email, if you have any questions, you can email us at relaxandbakefm at gmail.com. And for myself personally, if anyone wants to have a conversation, um, talk about some of the other endeavors that I am involved in, I'm happy for you to email me at Kyla, K Y L A C 
lowlowe at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Kyla. Have a nice uh, afternoon. Um, and yeah, we'll be in touch with you, but really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you so, so much for having me. And um, I'm so excited to see how your future podcasts come out. And I hope everyone stays tuned in because I know there's definitely some good things coming out. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. One Hundred Stories was inspired by the hundreds of brave people of colour who have felt the Black Lives Matter movement has given them an opportunity to share their stories and experiences. This series coincides with the increasing demand and interest from allies who want to better understand reforms of prejudice and microaggressions that take place every day. We want our 100 stories to be an accessible platform for black people in and around our community to share their stories either anonymously or openly. We do this in a bid to keep the conversation alive and continue to help people understand what it's like when you don't have a seat at the table. If you're interested in sharing one of your stories, please get in touch via media at sync.co.uk. Thanks for listening.